Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise in the house this morning? Oh, come on, you can do better than that second service. Well, listen, I am so deeply honored to be with you. I, I feel like when I, when I come back here, it's like watching a child grow. Like, my, you've grown so much. Third service, come on, Jesus. It's amazing. Well, listen, um, Pastor Tyler and I, were swapping pulpits today, and uh, it is always such an honor uh, to be here with you. Uh, worship team, my Lord. I was... Like, I'm, re- I'm ready. You know, one of the things, I think this is the first time, Pastor Rachel, I've ever heard you worship. And it, 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 it really is so telling of, of your heart. Um, one of the things, every time I come, I always like to share a word um, about Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel. I think last, last time I spoke, it was integrity. Um, but, but this time, it, it's conviction. You are both men and women of conviction. And... Hearing you worship the last couple of services, it's a deep well. And I'm so grateful. When I say conviction, I'm grateful that they're not moved by church fads and trends. They're fans of the secret place, getting alone with God, hearing from heaven. The Sons of Issachar was the scripture that came to me in pre-service prayer. Just so you know, first service, we got it. Um, but was the Sons of Issachar. They, they understood the times and the seasons, uh, that they, the season that they were living in. And so they were able to lead well. And what God is doing here, Mission Church, I, I know every speaker like says something along these lines, but can I just tell you, I'm in the Bay Area. What's happening here is so unique, special, and supernatural. And that's because uh, there's wells that are being dug. And God is faithful uh, to respond to our cry. And so from the bottom of my heart, I love you and your husband so much. Can we give honor to your pastors today? I always like to say, because it's always awkward for us sitting there. We're like, oh, okay, that's all right. Praise God. But, but here's the deal is honor is not so much for the person receiving it, but for the people giving it because it keeps our hearts grateful and thankful. And uh, we are thankful for you and Pastor Tyler. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you, team. Love your whole team here, your whole staff. My Lord, love your church. Um, you guys ready to get in? Let me, let me show you a quick picture. Let me make sure I don't mess it up this service. Okay, I just hit, I just hit it. I'm not sure. I don't want to hit it too hard. Bam. Show you a quick picture of my family. It's been a while. And uh, my kids are growing. Uh, my wife is getting more beautiful by the day. Some of you guys are thinking right now, how in the world did she marry him? <laughs> All my singles in the house today, fasting and prayer. <laughs> it works. Pre-service prayer, show up. It works. But uh, I just want to welcome everybody that's joining us for the first time. Welcome home. If this is your first time at church or maybe at this church, you are in a great house. And we just want to personally say thank you for being here. Uh, everybody joining us online, put the pancakes down, get your notepads out, because we're going to go in today. I, I want to speak to you around this idea. We're just going to continue in the series. I just figured we just continue in the series. I'm family here. Uh, who is this Jesus? So I, I've entitled the message, When Jesus Says, Let's Go and Make Disciples. Super original, right? Let's go. 
and make disciples. Matthew chapter 18, if you want to turn there with me just for a moment, Matthew chapter 28. I did this last service. Matthew 28, verse 18. Sorry about that. Matthew 28, verse 18. And it says this. My Bible is all messed up. But I have to read from the Bible. I've been reading from the Bible, not just my notepad recently, because I want you to see it in my hands. Matthew 28, verse 18 says this. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And surely, or lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Normally, I wouldn't speak a a great commission passage as a guest speaker. It's just normally you don't do that. But I feel like I had a word from the Lord for you. I feel like the Lord says, send them like a second Easter. Send them like a second Easter. You know, Easter, we're all pumped up. We're excited. We're going inviting people. And there's a little extra umph. I, I really believe that harvest season is still right for Mission Church. And so I really want you to lean in today as we talk about this beautiful reality of let's, let's go. Let's go. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go. Now, now we, we use that terminology in a lot of different ways. It's, it's popular slang today. Some of you said that on your way to church, you were running late. Let's go! Yes, yes and amen. Some, some of you, uh, you use it when you're frustrated or maybe you're in competition with somebody. Let's go! Warrior game today. Let's go! Game seven. And then others, others of us, uh, we use it when we're excited. And that's, a, that's the phrase we're going to use, an excitement, an excited let's go today. It sounds like this. Let's go! Look at your neighbor and say, let's go. So awkward, I know. Some of you are like, that's ridiculous. I'll never do that again. Why is this guy here? So I, I want to I go back to the 1800s, if you would join me there. General George McCullen. Abraham Lincoln hired this guy. He was one of or said to be one of the greatest military strategic minds our nation has ever experienced. They called him the young Napoleon. He was the youngest to graduate West Point. He had this tenacious ability to recruit. He was incredible. 1861, in just four months, he grew the Union Army 300%. That's like mission track on steroids. If you have not been to mission track, you should be there today. 300% was huge for the Union because they were in a lull. They didn't have a lot of soldiers at at this time. The the Confederate Army kind of had the the upper hand on them. They were kind of in in a deficit of morale. And now they, they outnumber the Confederate Army two to one. Incredible. General George McClellan, great strategic mind, one of the greatest military leaders our nation has ever seen, but there was one problem with General George McClellan, is that General George McClellan refused to engage in the fight. He just wouldn't do it. He always overestimated the enemy. It was never a good time. There was a moment where Abraham Lincoln said, hey, General E. Lee of the Confederate Army is within our reach. Let's get him. And he's like, no, no, it's not good. It's like Maverick and Goose. It's not good. It's not a good time. Thank you for laughing for that. (laughs) It was never a good time. So how many of you guys know at that point, Abraham Lincoln fired the greatest military strategic mind to ever grace our nation. And he hired a guy with a little less skill, talent, a little less strategic, 
but would go to war in flip-flops, and his name was Ulysses S. Grant. And the rest is, is history. It, it doesn't really make sense, does it, that a general, uh, a general of war would never engage in the battle. It's hard to comprehend. I would propose today that it is also the same for you and I as followers of Jesus, how we can plan, we can strategize, we can spend time reading and, and, and thinking, but never going to make disciples. Never going to make disciples. There's a couple things that I know about everybody in the room today. You ready for this? I know something about you. Here we go. Number one is this. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to making disciples. Now, if you're a first-time guest in the house today, can I just say welcome home again? We're so grateful that you're here. Maybe you're just exploring this whole faith thing. I really believe God has something for you, so, so lean in today. And for us that are following Jesus, it, like you just know the moment you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to making disciples. Some people think it's up to the pastors and the missionaries to do the work. It's like you guys are supposed to be making disciples. Uh, not so much. Paul says it like this, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So what am I saying? I'm saying making disciples is an all play. It's an all play. Second thing I know is this, is that we all know someone who is far from God that needs to be closer. And I'm not just talking about outside. There's some people inside this room right now that need to be closer. Like there's areas of growth that God wants to use you as a catalyst in. There are people all around us, people right now who are far from God that I believe the Holy Spirit throughout this message is going to put in your heart and your mind. Like even this moment. Yep, them. Her too. Even him. And this is the third thing that I know, is that you are God's plan to reach them. Not change them, reach them. How many of you guys know it's God's responsibility to transform? It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to be formed more and more into the image of Jesus. What is our job? Our job is to plant into water, but God is the one who makes it grow. John MacArthur says it like this, we plant, we water, and then we sleep. Because only God can bring the transformation. So what am I saying today? I'm saying that the local church is still God's plan A. There's no plan B to reach people. It's you and I. Look at your neighbor and say, it's you. But I think when we talk about discipleship, it feels a little bit complex. So let me simplify some things. I really believe discipleship in its purest form comes down to just a couple simple things. Number one is just doing life with an eternal perspective. Sometimes we think we have to rearrange our schedule, you know, create all these different types of events. No, what if you just showed up to the gym with an eternal perspective? Showed up to the office with an eternal perspective. Came home with an eternal perspective. It would change the game that heaven and hell is in the balance and that God wants to use you and me. The second thing about discipleship is this is that discipleship is just simply identifying where somebody is spiritually and helping them take one step. Like if they're not saved, let's introduce them to Jesus. If they're saved but never been baptized, let's get them baptized. If they've been baptized, hey, let's get them in a small group. Let's get them on a team. Let's take them to the new believers class. Are you with me? All of these are vehicles. They're not destinations. They're vehicles. They're catalysts for discipleship. Are you with me on that? 
And so don't, don't mistake like what's right before you. Discipleship is not complicated. It's just identifying where somebody is and helping them take a step. That's what I love about uh, us here at Mission Church. Well, we get to do something very special is we get to create environments for discipleship. So it makes it even a lot easier for the average person to say, hey, let me just bring you. Let me go with you. Let's go to the small group together. Let's, let's do life together. Now, some of you, you could preach this message. Let's just be honest. You're thinking at this moment in the sermon, like, oh, man, I should have slept in today. I really wanted a sermon for me today. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is for you. I promise you. Some of you may feel a little bit inadequate when we talk about making disciples. You just don't feel like you're qualified. Welcome to the club. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I still feel like, Lord, are you sure? You, you got the right guy? Some of you are thinking I'm messed up, and I don't want to mess things up. Like, I'm still messed up. Welcome home. We're all messed up. We all got things that God is working on. Some of you are scared today. And I believe God wants to quench that fear with his love, grace, and power. Some of us today, we're like, man, I'm not a theologian, Pastor Matt. I get it. You're not a theologian yet. But you're on your way. And you have a story of what God has done and what God is doing in your life right now. Now, some of you guys in the place, you guys are just killing it. You bring more people to church than anybody. I mean, you just, you just love, love reaching people. Can I just say, keep going? But I think there's many of us in the room today that we love Jesus and we love people. We're just exhausted. So, so when you hear me say, when you hear me say, make disciples, what you hear is another thing on your plate. You're like, man, I work 70 hours a week and I got kids. How about you nanny my kids and then we'll talk about making disciples. <laughs> and no, I, I know the feeling. Listen, if you've ever felt like any of those things, can I just say once again, welcome home. But I got good news today because I believe that Jesus invites us to go a little bit differently. A little bit differently. So what do you mean? Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it odd that Jesus is speaking about rest, but his example is a tool for work? Because two, two oxen yoked together, why are they yoked together? A yoke is just this wooden contraption that side by side links two ox together by the neck. And what do they do? They plow the fields. So Jesus is talking about rest, but he's using an illustration for work, for plowing. A lot of times when we think about rest, we think about take every yoke from me. I don't even want a yoke. I want a vacation. I know we live in the Bay Area, but I want Hawaii or the desert, play golf in Arizona or something. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 listen, listen. Rest doesn't means simply the absence of work. It's the right work. It's who you're with. What Jesus was saying in this passage is this. I'm not going to give you an escape from life. I'm not going to give you an escape from reality. I'm not going to give you an escape from pressure, from trouble, from persecution. No, no, no. I'm going to give you a brand new way to carry life. A brand new way to carry it. You're like, well, what does that mean? Well, what Jesus is saying is, Man, we get to go. Let's go. 
with great rest. He's not calling us to go with great anxiety, great guilt, great burnout, great striving performance. No, no, he's saying you're going with me. You're going to be yoked to me. You're, you're going with me, and I want you to go with great rest. But how many know how, how we enjoy the journey many times depends on who we're with and what we're holding on to? My wife and I, we were headed down to a conference in Bakersfield, driving down probably the most beautiful highway on the planet, Highway 5. <laughs> you know that's a lie. But can I just tell you, our trip, four hours, boom, like that. I looked at my wife. I was like, wow, that was the fastest trip ever. Why? Because I'm with my wife and we're holding conversation. So we go to the conference. We're exhausted, about to get in the car. We get into an argument. How many of you guys know it was a different ride home? Because I chose to withdraw from my wife and hold on to a grudge. Longest ride home from Bakersfield. I thought we were coming from Los Angeles. We, we make up close to our house, finally. I relented. And I'm like, babe, didn't that not seem like a forever trip? She's like, no, it really did. And it's still your fault. I was like, yeah. All good. Fair game. But he said, I want you to go with great rest. I want you to go with me with great rest. And I want you to hold on to a couple things as you go. Because it's an all play. We're all called to make disciples. First thing he says is, I want you to go with me and hold on to my grace. To my grace. Matthew chapter 28. Let me give you a little context. Jesus has been crucified. Risen from the dead. He's holding a staff meeting in Galilee. And up to this point, the disciples have seen some incredible stuff. He's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. Demon-possessed people are freed. And so they're thinking he's going to overthrow Rome. They think Rome is their biggest obstacle. And then he dies. And so does their dreams and their hopes. And then he raises again. Almost feels like like a difficult relationship. You're like, oh. And then, oh. He raises again. So they think that this is it. Now we're going to take Rome. It's going to be incredible. And Jesus is like, yeah, not so much. I'm actually going to ascend to the Father, and you're my plan. Oh. So it was like, oh, 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 what? We're going to be your plan. Look, look, look what he says. He says, meanwhile, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I mean, they're staring at the risen Savior, and some are like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this guy. Is this real? Is my mind playing tricks on me? The things that I love about the scripture is that if you were trying to fabricate a story, you wouldn't add the doubters in this text. Right? You would be, everybody was full of faith and ready to take the hill. But the authenticity of Scripture, I I love it. It, Matthew highlights the humanity, the struggles, the issues of Jesus' followers in the first century. And he's painting this picture of God's grace and patience with us that Jesus in this moment reflects. I, I mean, notice this. He doesn't even address their doubts. He's like, I know you got some struggles. I know you're wrestling. He doesn't even address them. And then he goes on to send the worshipers and the doubters on the same mission. He's like, I know you're struggling. I know you're wrestling with some stuff, but you're still called. We'll work it out on the journey. Like there's still work to do. And so can I just tell you, if if you're struggling with some stuff, welcome to the club. 
We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for direction. And you're called. You know, I I remember um, I was headed to the Oakland airport to pick up my coach. Two things pastors need, counseling and coaching. And uh, went to pick up my coach, and I I wanted to be hospitable, like Mission Church is so hospitable. You guys do a great job of your hospitality, by the way. Everybody's so, so nice here. And really reflect the heart of God. I feel like the gospel is being preached from the street to the greed to the sea. It sounds cliche. I hate cliches now, but it is true. So I can say it because it's true. But, but I, was, uh, I stopped at the Starbucks to pick up his favorite drink. And I want to make sure I'm on time. Don't want to be late. And there was a homeless person outside of the Starbucks. And I sensed the Holy Spirit. It was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit said, I want you to talk to him. And I'm like, I'm in a time crunch. I'm picking up my coach. I don't want to be late to pick up my coach because it makes me look irresponsible. It's amazing how quickly we make stuff about us, right? It's, it's like, man, what happened to catching the rain? Oh, shots fired. I love you, Pastor Tyler. Love you, Pastor Tyler. It just shows that I watch your messages. Come ready. So I, I, so I get my drink. And I do what every great pastor would do, every responsible pastor. I look at this man in the face, I say hello, and I leave. Cold. And so I'm, I'm, I'm driving to the airport convicted. Because you never know what God wants to do in those moments. Heaven and hell is in the balance. And I just miss my moment, and I know it. And my coach, what is he here for? He's here to help me reach people better and, you know, love and serve people. He would have totally understand, hey, sorry, I was late. I was leading somebody to Jesus. So we drive back past the Starbucks, and I look over, and he's gone. I go home. I, I wrestled with it in the night. This is how much it, it, it gripped my heart. I love people. And uh, I was so convicted. I got up the next morning, and I went there. He was gone. Every time now I go to the Oakland airport, I look to see if he's there. I've never seen him again. But at the very same time that morning, I went there. He wasn't there. I, I felt two things. I did feel the conviction. Like the Holy Spirit was like, man, you need to listen to me. Like I got you. Trust me. But the second thing is I felt the grace of God in my life, the patience of God with me. He's like, Matt, I'm still working in you. I know you're a pastor, but I'm still working in you. I'm working stuff in you and out of you still. And I think sometimes we don't understand grace. Uh, Let me explain. A lot of times we see grace as just undeserved favor, where God treats us as we don't deserve, and we're grateful for that. But but then Paul says, or or, um, yeah, Paul says something that's, that's interesting, that the Lord declares for us that God's grace is made perfect in our weakness. Huh. It's almost like it empowers us. Oh, I'm sorry. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. And so I would argue that grace is not just undeserved favor, but it's also power for living. An influence or a force or a power or acting of God that works in us to change our capacities for work, suffering, and obedience. And I felt like in this moment, God was just expanding my capacity. God was teaching me. God was showing me. And, I, and I, can I just tell you honestly, when I hear the spirit of God prompt me now, I'm like on it like a beeline. Because that patience should not produce a passivity, but a perseverance. He's expanding our capacity. To know the grace of God makes us move even more. So now I'll tell you, sometimes I'll tell my wife, sorry, babe, I got to go back. I got to talk to him. And I kind of have OCD, so it's really bad. If it's not the spirit, I'm like, oh, man, should I go? I'm going. And so, so, so Jesus says, I want you to go with me. 
with great rest. And I want you to hold on to my grace. We're all fumbling through this thing. The disciples, it's, we see them fumbling through their life. And God says, I still called you. We've got work to do. Let's go. And the second thing is this. He says, I want you to go with me and I want you to hold on to my authority. My authority. As simple as discipleship making is, quote unquote, it's still bigger than us. And we desperately need him. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that this was way over their head. So he said, let me point you on the journey to my authority. Look what he says. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Now, the theme in Matthew, we see this theme of authority. Jesus' authority over sickness, right? Blind eyes are opening. Lepers are being cleansed. The woman with the issue of blood, power leaves Jesus and heals her. Demons flee. I mean, all Jesus has to do is just speak to the demons. No effort, no work. Just get into the pigs. They tremble in his presence. He, He has authority over sin to both judge it and forgive it. We see his authority over suffering. That he's able, even able to give us rest in our soul if we have a tormented heart and mind. And he's Lord over all creation. He has authority over all creation. Like the disciples are on a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Waves are beating. Wind is blowing. And then the lion roars. And he comes walking on the very waters, walking on the very thing that should consume him, but doesn't. Why? Because he has authority over all creation. And he can cause you to walk upon everything that should consume you because he's with you. Daniel says it this way. Daniel said he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples, every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Ladies and gentlemen, he has unlimited authority, ultimate authority all-encompassing authority. Like he looks at everything in heaven and on earth and he says, it's mine. It's mine. That should dramatically change the posture of our heart as we go. But truthfully, we don't always feel that, right? How many of you guys are walking out every day? The authority! Sometimes we look like, I don't know. You sure? Remember the disciples? They're in a predicament, Matthew 14, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. This word remote, it means desolate, deserted, wasteland, abandoned. He said, why don't, it's getting late. So they said, why don't you send the crowds away to go home and get themselves something to eat? Send them away. I think sometimes when we forget the authority of the one who's with us, it's so easy to just pass somebody by. I mean, think about it. You show up to work, you show up to school, and it just seems impossible. And you're like, are you sure, God? Like, can you really do that here through me? Some of us, you walk into your own home, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Not sure. It's a large task. And then some of us, we even look in our own hearts. We're like, man, I'm wrestling badly, God. Are you sure like you have all authority and can do something in me? So look what Jesus said. 
Jesus replied, he said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then they get really proper. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. We have here only. And Jesus says this. Jesus looks at them and says, yeah, okay, I get it. And he says, bring them to me. And he directed the people to sit down. Then it skips down. It says that he gave, um, taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Everybody was satisfied. And they had leftovers. I thought leftover fish, that's disgusting. I do not like leftovers. Hopefully it was just bread. <laughs> but, but I want you to get this. You may look and, and feel like, I, got, I don't have much. And the Lord's like, yeah, bring it to me. Bring what you have and let it pass through my hands. Let it pass through my hands of grace. Let it pass through my hands of authority. And see that I don't do something that's way beyond you. It's bigger than us. God has so much in store for us. So many of us, we are all fumbling through our efforts. If not for his grace and authority. My Lord, we're all in trouble. I mean, do you know how many sermons I preached? And I'm like, yeah, that didn't go good. And then somebody comes up. And God changes their lives. They're like, oh my goodness, that spoke to me. And in my mind, I'm like, really? <laughs> Praise God, his authority. Yeah. His authority. And so what happens in those moments, we let what we have, we give what we have, the little that we have of ourselves, of our skills, of our talent, of our ability, of our knowledge, of our story. And we just say, Lord, I'm going I'm to let it pass through your hands. And then what do we see? God begins to put on such a display. And it reminds us that it's never been about persuasion. It's always been about his power. It's always been about his power. It's his authority that gives us the ability. I was on a plane uh, this last week, happened to sit next to the chief technology officer of IBM. Next thing you know, opening up the scriptures. He's a Muslim. And we're reading the text. We're having great dialogue. We're going back and forth. Did he get saved? No. But seeds were planted. Some were watered. And I'm going to let God be God and do what he does. It's never been about persuasion. It's always been about his power. And so when he called the disciples, he didn't say, hey, guys, you speak so well. Did I tell you how, how well you speak? Your strategy is on point. Creativity, stellar. No, he actually points them away from their, themselves and points them to him. He's like, listen, you can use your gifts and your talents. Just take those and let them pass through my hands. Let me tell you why. It's because God is calling us to change the world, Mission Church, one person at a time. One story at a time. One testimony at a time. And so, so what am I saying? I'm just saying, hey, take your skills and your talent, wherever that is your area of influence, and just let it pass through his hands. Because, listen, the world is not going to be transformed by our skill and by our talent alone. It's his authority that gives us the ability to go and make disciples. And what is impossible becomes possible. So when we first uh, restarted our church, it, it was super tough financially. And um, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to be responsible. Dave Ramsey said, you should never have a car payment. So I had $11,000 in the bank, and I told my wife I'm buying a car because we are not supposed to have a car payment. And um, me and Dave differ on a few things now, <laughs> but it's all good. The premise is, is, you know, we do financial peace at our church. It's, it's important. But, but I, I find a car on Craigslist, 2012 Honda Pilot, 56,000 miles, 11 grand. 
that's my car. So I go to San Jose at night, which I'm comfortable with. Even though I had a large stack of cash, I felt like I was doing a drug deal. And it was, it was, I had to keep reminding myself, this is legal. You're okay. It's going to be all right. No, true story. And it was nervous because you have so much cash. So we got in. I checked the van, looked at the pink. Everything looked good. Gave him the cash. He left. And I just had that check in my spirit. Like something's not right. So I hold the pink slip up to the light. And I see that he erased on the mileage the number one. So it actually had 156,000 miles which is worth like nothing compared to what I paid for it. And they rolled back the odometer. So I drove away, two things, ego bruised because I'm from the street, quote unquote. So I, I felt like, man, I got hustled. How could he hustle me? A, a, a really, really nice man in our church said, Pastor Matt, it's just because you don't see people like that anymore. You're not suspicious. I'm like, that's right. My heart has changed. Thank you. But, but the second thing was I got to tell my wife. Hey, babe, so uh, you see, <laughs> Craigslist Adventures. And so I woke up the next day, and all I could see when I looked at the car was I got robbed. So I was like, I got to get rid of the car. Went down to the, to, to the Honda dealership in Dublin. My buddy works there. I said, listen, explain the whole situation. He said, we can get you in a car, of course, with a payment. And, um, and so he runs the van, and he said, you know what? He said, dude, we had this car. I was like, you did? Yeah, two weeks ago. He was like, I know who, I, who we sold it to. I was like, you do? He's like, yeah, he works at an auction. And I said, can you call him? He was like, yeah. So he calls the guy. Long story short, this guy who uh, sold me the car has this little um, business that he transports cars from here to Mexico. It's illegal, by the way. Doesn't want to mess up his flow. So I end up getting a call, not from the guy who sold me the car, but from his boss. He said, Mr. Lacey, I'm so sorry. I think there has been a problem. You think? <laughs> like felony problem, bro. So he said, hey, meet me at the Safeway on Bernal. Bring the, bring the car. I'll bring your money. So how many of you guys know, at this point, I'm like, I'm bringing my brother and a gun. Like, you're not getting away. This One time, shame on me. Just kidding. Just kidding. I did not bring a gun, but I did bring my brother. True story. I said, hey, just sit over there just in case it goes south. Crazy stuff. Pastor stories. So I show up, and he says, hey, here's the cash, and I gave you $100 for the interest of your, of your trouble. I thought, wow, interest. You know how many people told me it was going to be impossible for me to get my money? Wow. All authority moves the hearts of kings and criminals. I mean, come on. And so, so that's not even the best part. The best part is this, is that I called the guy from the auction. I said, hey, what can I ever do to repay you? Like, you just saved my whole financial life. He said, well, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. He said, well, I'm backslidden. And he said, would you go to Bible study with me? I was like, are you serious? He said, yeah, would you go to Bible study with me? I said, absolutely. When and what time? Tuesdays at 6.30 a.m. I said, huh? <laughs> Why? Because God loves people. God is reaching for people. Listen, God, this backslider is on God's heart. How God works is mysterious. I told the Lord, no more Craigslist. Just give me a vision and I'll go. I don't want to go through that again, God. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Nothing is impossible. No one is impossible to reach. And the last thing is this. We can go with great rest because we're with him holding 
his presence. Jesus said this, Matthew 28, verse 20. Let me make sure it's up there. Oh, man, it skipped through. Already gave, oh, it's okay. Just leave it alone. I'm messing up like, I'm messing with the computer. If I hit it too long, it's my fault. Great, tech team, it's not you, it's me. Um, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what Jesus was saying is, is he wasn't saying lo. This word lo, it means to lean in because the most important moment of everything I just told you is right now. I need you to listen and I need you to hear that I am going with you. That, that making disciples, it can be a little bit scary because we don't want to be by ourselves. And he says, no, the one who is full of grace, the one who is patient, who has all authority, says, I am with you. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we may know that in theory and in concept, but it has to transcend concept and become a reality. When it does, it'll change the whole scope of your life. It'll change how you move, how you step into uncomfortable spaces. He says, my presence goes with you. And this word with, it's an active with. It means to actively go, meaning this, the original language, it doesn't say, therefore go. It says, having gone. Like the Lord expects us to go and make disciples. And he says, as you go, I am with you. Have you ever heard uh, people say, I want to get closer to God? And normally we'll say, hey, man, read your Bible, spend time in prayer and worship, and all of that is a yes and amen. But this is also a promise that as God says, as you go, I'm with you. Like, you want to be close to me? Let's go on mission together. Oh, and as we become prayerful and mindful of this, it will change everything. It'll change the way you interact with your kids and your family and your spouse. It'll change how you see your life as a single. Can I just tell you, if you are single today, the goal is not marriage. The goal is the kingdom. And let God bring and do as he sees fit. But that's the goal. Your destiny in life is just not to get married, even though I'm praying for you. And I know if that's a desire, I'm with you. But it's the kingdom. I mean, could you imagine if husband and wife, you're looking at each other and you just realize that the presence of God is with us, the one who's full of grace and all authority. Nothing is impossible with him. As we look at each other, we see each other through the lens of him and the gospel and the grace that he extends to us. If we have to look through him to see one another, it changes everything. Presence changes everything. But you might be asking, but what do I do? Like this preaches so well. But I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm going home today. So I would say this, in light of his grace, in light of his authority, in light of his presence, when you realize he is with you, you will listen differently. And I believe that God is going to give you uh, just a fresh set of ears that you will begin to hear in a new way, that we would hear the cry of those around us. Hacksaw Ridge, remember this movie? This guy was crying out to God. He was like, God, I can't hear you. Where are you? He's in the middle of a battle. And then he hears the cries from the rubble. Help me. Somebody help. And he's like, oh God, I hear you. I thought it was like not a coincidence, but like Mission Church is one person at a time. And that's what he said. He said, Lord, just one more. Just one more, Lord. Just let me get one more. I I can hear you now. I I just really believe, listen, as you, as God begins to illuminate your heart and mind to the reality that he is with you, the Holy Spirit is going to give you fresh ears and he's going to stop you dead in your tracks in moments. You know, like you're walking through the mall. 
Nobody goes to the mall and like the outlets. And then my wife will just stop. I'm like, what in the what in the world are you doing? And it's like a candle or something ridiculous, right? Why do you break the flow for a candle? Oh, this is so important. But can I just tell you the Holy Spirit, listen, in the next several days, in the months ahead, it's harvest season. He's gonna stop you and he's gonna say, pray. He's going to say, go. He's going to say, go, go talk to them. Go bring them. Go sit in mission track with them. Go sit in the new believers class with them. Get them. I'm just telling you. And there'll be moments where he may just say, you need to stop and pray right now. You need to pray for that person right now. Because a lot of times, listen, a lot of times we want to go deep. And we equate deep with, a, with, with gaining more knowledge, which is important. But if we're not careful, we will just long to hear the word in a fresh way to hit the same amount of dopamine in our brain that a text does. And we like, ooh, so good, deep. But then we don't leave changed. Sometimes I, I don't think we, we want deep. We, we really want wide because deep is moving us. Listen, the knowledge that we get of the Lord should move us to a deeper intimacy and obedience to Jesus in the context of Scripture where a lot of times when we're hearing but we're not going, it's really wide, it's not deep. And so, so you say, well, well, what does this all mean? I'm saying that, that listening and going should be one of the same. As, as we look in the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, the word for listen is the word shema. And what's so interesting is there's not a, a two words for listen and obey. They're one word. It's shema. They're the same. And so in Exodus, when the Lord heard the cry of the people who were trapped in slavery, he didn't say, hey, I hear your cry. So good. You got a great cry. Amen. Keep crying out. No, he said, I, hear, I heard your cry, and I'm raising up a deliverer. I'm raising Moses up. Are, are, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? And so, so I believe that God is going to give you a fresh ear for a cry. Worship team, you guys can come up. I'm so sorry. I probably should have told you to come up a long time ago. But I, but I, want, you to, I want you to lean in. I got one more story, and I'm done. Easter Sunday, several years back, there was a moment where this woman came to our church, and after Easter, I was exhausted, and she said, hey, my friend has cancer. Can we pray for her? So we prayed, we cried, or she was crying, weeping, and I went out to eat afterwards, went to Tippinyaki, where they kind of cook in front of you, and I just remember sitting down, and we have another family at the table, and the Lord just, the Holy Spirit whispers to my heart and says, I need you to talk to them, and I just didn't want to talk to them. I don't want to eat. I don't want to talk. I want to eat. And so finally, but I learned my lesson on 98th. I'm like, I'm talking to this lady. And uh, so, so I, I, I start small talk and notice that her kids had Amador gear on. And there some people at our church that kids go to Amador. So we end up knowing the same people. And she was like, yeah, you know, how, how do you know Laura? How do you know, how do you know these people? And I said, well, I'm their pastor. And her face dropped. I was like, what's wrong? I'm not going to take an offering. We're having dinner. It's all good. Her kids' faces kind of went blank. Her husband's looking, and she said, like, I know who you are. She said, you're praying for me. She said, I'm the one with cancer. That day, God met her at Tippinyaki. We stood up, we prayed. She left known that day, like, God, you see me. Gave her life to Jesus, died of cancer. Her husband called me, said, hey, man, she really wants you to do the funeral, so... At her funeral, I got to preach the gospel to over 700 people. You never know the moment. Listen to the cry. 
And when you're afraid, when you're nervous, when you're like, I don't know what to do, what, what do I do? What do I do? Is just let God fill the gap. Just let him fill the gap. Just remember all grace, all authority. He's always present. Let him fill the gap. Step into the space. Don't be afraid. Let God use you. So we stand your feet today. I really believe that there are some of you right now that feel, you feel the gap in your own soul. You feel it. And you're like, man, I need some grace, God. I could use some of your authority in my life. God, what I would do to have you be with me. Some of you have doubted that he's with you. He's with you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Matt, I I need God to fill the gap in my heart. I need to surrender today. Maybe you've been away from God. It's time to come home. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Can I just tell you? Oh, His grace, His authority, and His presence will never go back. Some of you need to take a step today. You just need to jump into that group. You need to jump in a mission track. You need to jump on a team. Some of you guys may need to lead a group. You need to take somebody by the hand to that new believers class. Talk to them about baptism. That's easy. Those are all vehicles, ladies and gentlemen. And catalyst for discipleship right here in the house. And I tell you what, as you get comfortable doing it in here, it'll start getting way easier out there. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I'm, I'm in one of those spaces. I need to take a step. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to rededicate my life. Will you slip up your hand today just so I can see you? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Yep, I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else that would say, that's me. I need to trust in Jesus today. Yep, I see your answer. Thank you. It's awesome. I'm just going to wait just another second. Anybody else? How many of you say, I need to take a step today? I need to take a step of faith. Been holding back a little bit. It's time to step. If that's you, would you slip up your hands so I can see you? Yep, 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 yep. Awesome. Well, listen, if you need to rededicate your life, surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. It's kind of like wedding vows. I'm going to give you the words, but you make them your own. And church, can we pray this with them so they're not alone? Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. I invite you into the gap. Fill it with your grace, power, and presence. I invite you into my pain, my weakness, turning from my sin today. I ask that you'd forgive me. I believe you died and rose so that I would have life. And today I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Transform me and send me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.